We're going to look next, um, part three on project management governance. So this is 1.7, explain why aspects of project management governance are required, such as the use of policies, regulations, functions, processes, procedures, and delegated responsibilities. So project management governance comprises the framework or the authority and the accountability that defines the controls, outputs, outcomes, and benefits from projects. So there's your APM Bach abridged definition. So what does this mean? What does this comprise of? So governance can be defined as control. Good governance is good control. It's making sure that projects don't overspend, that the project is not um, exposing the organization to intolerable levels of risks, that it's not using up resources, that isn't providing any benefits. So these can be broken down into policies, regulations, functions, processes and procedures, delegated responsibilities, things that help control a project. So policies are principles to guide decision-making to achieve rational outcomes. So an example could be a corporate policy on how much a project manager is allowed to spend for a procurement process. They might have a spending limit. That would be a policy. You are not allowed to spend over 5,000 in order to get um, consultants in to assess with creating a detailed design. They could be policies about security clearance for classified information. So these are at an organizational level and help control help set the right guidelines so things don't go out of control, so that you don't have situations in which individuals who shouldn't see things are given security clearance, and then they see things that they shouldn't. Policies define these so that everybody has a common understanding of what it is they should be doing. Uh, effective enforcement ensures that the right level of decision-making is in place, so the right people are making the right decisions, and it's um, proportionate to their role so that you don't have uh, a CEO making decisions about activities in a work package, nor do you have a team member making massive decisions about what to do about management reserves. So all of these things are aligned appropriately. They also allow that only viable projects continue. So if a project cannot meet the benefits, if it's overspent its budget, it's way behind, and the product that's creating might be obsolete before it's ever released to BAU, this is where having a specific policy in place in which you have criteria that you measure against and then cancel projects that aren't adding value. And then you can use those resources for an opportunity that could create or has a better opportunity for creating benefits. Also make sure that regulations are in place. So things like health and safety, GDPR, data compliance, um, fair hiring practices, all of these are in place and the project is following them. Regulations are rules and they're from an authority. So health and safety, financial transactions, employment law and the like. And if you're compliant with those, well, it means that you're not exposing yourself to fines and loss of reputation. You're passing audits, which is giving support to the stakeholders that things are being run correctly and we're staying compliant with regulatory bodies. Functions and delegated responsibilities is ensuring that the right people make the right decisions, and that is key to effective governance. Um, it makes sure that there's a clear organizational breakdown structure. P 
People know who they're reporting to. They know what the roles and responsibilities are. And they ensure that the reporting cycles and where reports go to and who gets which information has been set up and that there's a clear escalation route established. There's nothing worse in a project than if somebody wants to escalate an issue, but they don't know how. There's no process and it just goes out on an email to everyone and people react upon it in ad hoc ways. For escalation, it's always good to have a process in place, step by step, on who gets escalated to, what are the timeframes, the SLAs, and how the decision-making process is made in order to deal with escalated issues. So this ensures that everyone understands what their decision role is. It informs, it may allows for information to go out on progress reports about issues and risks and how well we're doing against our budget and our schedule. It's relayed to the right people who are able to respond to it and take that information to, to make informed decisions to the benefit of the project and to the organization. And it makes sure that people do not make decisions that are above their delegation limits. So you don't have somebody that said yes to a $2 million change request and it's way beyond the remit. There are limits in place, spending limits, to make sure that there's proper controls around these. Lastly, we'll look at um, processes and procedures and we'll look at the difference between the two. These are terms that are used very much interchangeably in the real world. So a process is a series of related tasks or methods that together turn into inputs and outputs. That's the definition. Let's go to the definition now for procedure, and then we'll pick this a little bit. Procedure is a prescriptive way of undertaking a process or part of a process. So a, a process is above a procedure, and a process will show you the tasks that have to happen. So for example, if there's a process for buying goods, a procurement process, it will say that the project team requests through the sponsor, and the sponsor then goes to the steering board, and the steering board will con conduct a uh, analysis with the procurement group. It's often represented as boxes with arrows in it that shows the step-by-step -step process that takes place, and in our case, what I'm illustrating is to procure goods. Procedure is a level below that in detail. It's more the step-by-step -step process that is taken. If you need to buy goods for a project, if you need to invoke a procurement process, step one is to fill out the procurement form that will show how much you're buying, what you're buying it for, and what quantities, and from whom. That form then goes to a centralized place, et cetera, et cetera. It's more of the step-by-step -step procedures that support the overarching process. So examples of these um, control processes and the way that they support good governance, well, they give a robust understanding of the controls that are in place so that a team doesn't just go out and spend money on procurement items without following a proper approved process ahead of time. Make sure that the right procedures or the right steps are taken, the right checks and balances have been made to make sure that the purchasing of this equipment in our example is justified that the project actually does need it. And it allows for consistency. So if everyone is following the same process and the same procedures, there is a, a consistent method. If someone's working on one project and then two weeks later they're moved to another project, they can follow the same process. It isn't an ad hoc procedure made up within the project team that is different from project to project.